This is the Tom Bigby Tales, and I'm your host, Shannon Evans. The Tom Bigby Tales is a podcast about a small town named Columbus in Mississippi along the Tom Bigby River. Today's episode is called When the Courthouse Clock Wait Fell. I'm taking you back in the Wayback Machine. One August afternoon in 1908, the men who had offices in the courthouse building gathered for their usual late afternoon tobacco and tale-telling session in the hallway under the giant clock tower. Every afternoon, just before three, the group would meet in hopes of a slight breeze as by then their offices would all be stifling. August 19, 1908 was no different than any other day for the men gathered there. The sheriff, the county superintendent of education, Judge Williams, and several other prominent men of the city, including Professor Nash, was who were known for their tall tales. As the tale goes, the great clock above began to strike three, so the speakers paused to await the end of the clamor above. On this day, the clock struck the first tone, followed by a horrible sound of cables flying upward and the giant cracking sound of wood above and a resounding thud. The clock's weight had fallen and struck Dr. A.C. Halbert in the head, killing him instantly. The only other injury to the group was a minor scratch to the hand of Professor Nash. Halbert's friends carried his broken body under a tree out front, and the surgeon was called. Halbert was declared dead and taken down the street to Gunter Brothers at what is present-day Hollyhocks at the corner of College and Market Street. He would be later taken to his home at 520 3rd Avenue South for his wake. He left behind his wife, Donnie, four daughters, and two sons. But who was Dr. A.C. Halbert? Arthur Calhoun Halbert was born in February 1843 in Columbus, Mississippi, to Nancy McClanahan Halbert and Reverend William Halbert, a Baptist minister and small-scale farmer, his parents are now buried at Bershaba Cemetery in New Hope, where his father preached in eastern Lowndes County. Arthur was a veteran of the Confederacy. He enlisted in Columbus on 11th June, 1861, where he was given the immediate rank of corporal in Company D of the 10th Infantry. He would have seen action from Kentucky to Murfreesboro, from Atlanta down to Florida. This regiment lost 13, and saw 95 of the 360 men of their regiment injured at Shiloh. At the Battle of Murfreesboro, they suffered an additional eight deaths, 70 wounded, and six were missing. The members of this regiment were recruited from Adams, Claiborne, Lowndes, Itawamba, Warren, Marshall, Madison, and Yazoo counties of Mississippi. This company, along with Halbert, mustered out in Smithfield, North Carolina on 9 April 1865 at the end of the war. After the war, Halbert studied to be a physician at the prestigious Jefferson Medical College of Thomas Jefferson University in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He graduated at the top of his class in 1870. By the fall of 1870, he is listed in the census records as age 27 and living in Columbus with his parents and practicing medicine. He married Donnie M. Yerger, 
on the 5th of November of 1876 in Octavaha County. In the 1880 census, he and his wife and a one-year-old son, Arthur Jr., are listed as living in Columbus on First Avenue North. By 1906, they are listed as a family of eight in the city directory living in a home they built at 523rd Avenue South, a house where I spent a large part of my childhood, funny enough, more on that later. Residing still at the home in 1914 after his death for the 1914 directory is his wife, his daughter's Alice, a teacher at Franklin, Laura, a student, Mary, also a student, Nancy, another teacher in the family, and son Arthur Jr., a student. This was six years after A.C.'s death. A.C. was a prominent member of First Baptist Church and a Master Mason and a member of Lodge Number 5. He was buried with full Masonic honors at, the, at Friendship Cemetery. At the time of his death, A.C. sat on the city's Board of Health and would be replaced eventually by Dr. Curry by Mayor Donnell later in 1908. At the time of the accident, an investigation was held into the failure of the clock weight and the death of Dr. Halbert. The clock in the courthouse had only recently been installed by Boston Company Howard Clocks in, 1803, in 1903 at a cost of $2,000. A local company had the contract to keep the clock wound. At the time of the accident, they were winding the clock when a finger-thin cable broke, dropping the 1,200-pound weight on the unsuspecting victim two floors below in front of the sheriff's office doors. In October, the Howard Clock Company offered to fix the clock at cost. Mr. E.H. White from Boston had the clock repaired and running by 430 Thursday afternoon on the 5th of November, 1908, for the Columbus Dispatch. The next fall, Halbert's wife, Donnie, filed a suit against the Howard Clock Company in federal court in Aberdeen, Mississippi. Z.P. Landrum and William Baldwin represented her, while General E.T. Sykes represented the clock company. Sykes's entire case rested on the clock's guarantee that was only for five years and had just expired prior to the accident, relieving the Howard Company of any responsibility. Judge Niles, in hearing the case, upheld Sykes's contentions and found for the plaintiff, and the case was dismissed. The county eventually gave Mrs. Halbert $900 in 1914 for, the death, for their responsibility and the death of her husband. The Halbert home on 3rd Avenue South is a two-story brick Edwardian-style home with a wraparound porch and a mostly dirt floor basement. There's a formal parlor and dining room with floor-to-ceiling solid wood pocket doors, a spacious pass-through butler's pantry, and a bright large kitchen and a downstairs parlor or extra bedroom. Upstairs are four bedrooms and a necessary and an extra upstairs kitchenette, most probably once another necessary bathroom to those of you who don't live with my mother. Plenty of room for a family of eight in the early 1900s. As a child, our house would randomly smell of cigar smoke, something my father never smoked. 
But most peculiar of all is how on still summer nights, late in the evening, the porch swing would creak as if someone had just sat on it, yet no one was there. Then it would gently move back and forth, back and forth. Some nights from my room overhead with the windows open to catch any breeze possible, since I had no air conditioning in my room, I'd hear the swing ritual only after I'd hear the creak of someone sitting in the swing. I'd hear two soft thuds a few seconds apart. I always knew that was Dr. Halbert taking off his shoes and settling in. Then the sound of the swing moving to and fro, to and fro, and the hot still night would follow. The extra bits of chain clinking. And then would come the harsh, unmistakable smell of cigar smoke that would waft up to my windows. I moved out of that house in high school, but now I walk by it almost daily. And I remember those moments when I was a child and the veil was thin between this world and wherever A.C. Halbert is. But now my office is mostly in the courthouse where I do my research on people and property and their history in Lowndes County. I walk down that hall sometimes under the clock tower, but I always am careful not to be there on the hour or the half hour. And I try to avoid the center hall of the room where A.C. Halbert and his friends once gathered daily to spend their own Tom Bigby tales.